Canucks Central, the first edition for 2023. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. We are in the Kintech studio. Canucks Central is brought to you by Grip Auto Entire Quality Service You Can Trust and 14 locations to serve you. We've got a uh, big show coming up as always today. Irfan Gaffar going to join us. The latest on uh, what's happening with the Canucks on and off the ice. And, of course, we'll get you ready for the game at Rogers Arena tonight against the New York Islanders. We'll also be on television for the pregame coming up at 6.30. Sad. Happy New Year, man. Well, same to you, Dan, and to yep. all, all of our listeners. It was uh, what you had a nice night. Yeah, out, had man. a nice night. Went out, uh, went out for a little dinner, oh. and then uh, closed it. Well, I get yeah, closed out twenty twenty two over at Park. Oh, very nice. Met a couple of listeners. Oh, you did. It was nice. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Oh. Uh, I, we rang in the new year at the studio. Myself, Bick, <laughs> and Eddie Gregory. We were done nice. at eleven thirty, and then we just waited till midnight, and yep. said happy new year, and wandered home. <laughs> Sounds, that was it. Sounds great. That was good. I'm like, I'm, I'm the most basic New Year person. Like first week of the New Year, I'm all over like, yeah, get, getting back in the gym. Oh, you did, hey? Eating better, salads. Were you, you back know? in the gym today? 100%. And know. yesterday? And yesterday. What about the first? <laughs> the first was a recovery. Okay. So, <laughs> I did fine. Uh, yeah, the first actually, when I went to the gym on the first, it was pretty quiet. It was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday was, was an absolute zoo. It was mayhem. <laughs> A hundred percent. It was mayhem. You have people like trying to do lifts that they just can't do. Well, that is just like busy. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, I mean, Hey, be like me. If I went to the, like, you know, one of the bigger gyms instead of my condo gym, just get on the squat rack. Like, yeah, I can do 400. Let's 400. Rack it up. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How much 400? I would, I would be that guy and then fail miserably. No, I mean, if you tried to squat 400 pounds, like, you'd break your back. <laughs> Probably. Do you know how much 400 pounds is? That was the joke, Sat. You know, people go, like, be be responsible. If you're back in the gym on the first uh, first week of January, be responsible, okay? That's my, my public service announcement. Uh, take it easy. You don't want to, you don't want to, like, uh, end up getting injured and then not be able to go to the mm. gym afterwards. Well, Dan from Van, one of our uh, valued regular listeners, yeah. uh, fitness guru, so he's probably rolling his eyes majorly <laughs> right now. He knows I'm right. That's why. Uh, so it's another day that ends in Y, so there's uh, discourse around the Vancouver Canucks set. Um, mm. A lot to get to, but mostly surrounds JT Miller. I feel like we thought... JT Miller conversations were going to end the day he signed a $56 million million contract. Mm -hmm. We were wrong about that. (laughs) Maybe I was naive to think that it would stop. If anything, the contract has put more pressure on JT to now live up to it, even though it hasn't even kicked in yet. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot happening around JT and... I kind of want to start on the back checks. Yeah. Because that's really what got this going again. So the old saying goes that the fastest skater on the ice should be the one who just turned the puck over. Yes. Right? And I get that. However, isn't that sort of performative? Like, if you think about either of those plays on Saturday, Mm -hmm. JT is not going to get back in the play. Especially the first one that... There is no chance after it ends up in a two-on-one, odd man rush going back the other way, the Lindholm goal, there is no chance JT makes it back. So sure, um, 
he he could you know put his head down and skate as far as he wants but it's not going to stop the goal from going in it's not going to stop Elias Lindholm from getting that goal the only thing that was going to stop him was Tyler Myers doing more to like (laughs) more than what he did on that two-on-one to defend it and also like the biggest thing would have been Spencer Martin to stop it the other thing would be to not have the turnover so yeah like you want to see the player who just turned the puck over to put their head down and try to get back in the play, at least show that they care about the turnover that they just made, not, you know, bow their head and sulk about it. But realistically, JT is not ever, ever, ever getting back in that play. Either of those plays, most of the plays where he turns the puck over, he's not going to be able to make his way back and break up the odd man rush. It's just not a realistic thing that is going to happen on any of those plays. He needs better puck management, period, end of story on that. But I I don't need the performative, I'm going to skate back to try and break this play up because it's like running out a ground ball, you know? There's the the 1% chance that there's an error on the play where you don't run it out and it ends up biting you in the you-know-what. But every other time, like when you ground out to shortstop and you roll over one, like you're out, you know? (laughs) I don't need you to run it out just for the sake of being performative about it all. I just need you to play better. That's what I need from JT Miller. But at the same time, when you make a mistake, then you better run it out for that 1% because you put yourself in that position. So you better give everything you have for that 1% to perhaps happen for you. I mean, he's already playing like 22, 23 minutes a night. Those are excuses, I want my players to be efficient with how they use their energy on the ice. And, you know, (laughs) trying to run it back for absolutely no reason there. I mean, no, save your energy. Save your bullets. Just don't. Stop with the turnovers. That's what the, that's the bigger thing for me. Save your bullets so you can dog it in the third period instead like you did? Like, come on. Like, I, I get it. And, and listen, I've That has to do with playing better as well. No, yeah. for sure. But at the same time, like, when you make the types of mistakes that JT makes, guess what? Like, you have to do the performative stuff. Like, you have to. And if you are a leader on the team, you lead by example. You have to do some of these things. And I'm big. I, hey, I've defended JT quite a bit over the course of the season. And we'll talk about some of the numbers and everything, too. But as far as his so-called behavior, he's not doing himself any favors. How, well, how he's talking to the media, and it's not even about saying anything to the media, it's just about how you're presenting your, your case and how you're saying things. You come off abrasive, and then your play on the ice isn't backing it up. And then the antics on the ice, sure, it, it may not mean anything, but you open yourself up, up to criticism, and now you're a distraction for the hockey club because everybody's talking about it. Yeah. You're a leader on the team, and now you open yourself up to this entire criticism and i get it like some of it is unfair and we'll talk about some of the stuff that is unfair and about what's being said about jt but as far as why he's a distraction it's not because the media made it up it's because of what he's done on the ice it's about how he's handled it to the media it's about his body language that he's displaying the team not winning those things it's, it's are only about the contract though like, no i mean we, sure th- this stuff happened all the time in the last couple of years. Seth. But he's not playing as well as he did last year, Dan. Yeah. I mean, I can sit here and defend his play and oh, say, guess fair. what? But he's not that's playing fair. well enough. Like, offensively, he's not generating offense. Like, I'd sit here and defend JT if he was scoring a bunch of points. But the offensive production has died. And now he talks about how the lack of offensive production this month is a reflection of his defensive play. And I actually think when we go through it, I can understand where he's coming from, even though people don't want to hear it. But overall, Dan, why do we say JT Miller was a player worth re-signing? Because you're a driver. You score. Yeah. And 99 you, points. And you drive offense. Yeah. What has he been driving this season? Not much. 
He's been driving an Evo. <laughs> <laughs> and he just parks it in the middle of the street and leaves half the time. Yes. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of where it's been going. Um, all of that is 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 valid. I'm just saying the um, anger is misplaced to focus on sure. the back checks rather than you know how he's played that the turnovers aren't getting cleaned up because that's the more problematic thing over the back checks. He wouldn't have to put his head down and back check if he wasn't turning the puck over as much as he is. Uh, Yannick Hansen weighed in on this on the people's show. And I wanted to, to get this take in as well uh, from a former player's perspective and kind of how it um, fits in with the rest of the team and how a team would react fellow players would react to Miller and his antics on the ice. Again, it shouldn't be allowed. Like, like it, it's, uh, it's putting yourself ahead of your team when you see that. And it should, it should be cleaned up. It should be addressed and then it should never happen again. Uh, Cause it is, it is this. Yeah. Again, in my experience, uh, effort is very easy. You go out, you work your hardest and that's the end of it. Yeah, if you get caught in a shift for a minute and a half, you're gassed, you're done, you can't do it. But but that that's not the case here. Um, you you get you could kind of bounced off a puck and then you just kind of okay, I'm not gonna go here. And, oh, I might as well change and oh, then it's in the back of your net. Like it's show some show some grit and emotion there. Like you have no problem showing emotions when you want the goalie off, but when you just turn the puck over, where is the emotion? Where Where is the, I'm going to catch this guy, I'm going to get back, and I'm going to do everything I can in order to prevent this turning into a scoring chance. Um, that That's where you're lacking, because there's no question JT Miller wants to win. Like, like he plays that style, style of game that, that you can see when he's on his game. Like, he, he plays with emotion, and he plays with that fire that you're sometimes... Um, wanting from more players, but but again, he also has the the flip side of that coin where it, it can also tilt the other way. There is uh, Yannick Hansen, and so he would like to see yeah. JTB stronger on the back. Chest. Well, I mean, it, like I get it. Part of it is you're not going to get back and really necessarily stop the play. But what if the guy bobbles the puck? What yeah. if the goalie makes the first save? Can you get there to maybe get a stick on somebody's stick? to prevent the rebound from going in potentially or whatever it is. Or, hey, maybe you, you skate back and the puck comes loose so you can go, go the other way. Regardless, if you don't skate back hard, you don't allow the possibility of something positive happening with you being there to reclaim or redeem yourself in the mistake that you made, right? And the, the desperation you show to try to redeem your mistake, I think, is what is important when you're trying to show leadership on the ice. Uh, we've got a lot of reaction coming in. Razor Raymond, uh, Razor Ramon. Uh, I get, I get confused because there's one Raymond and there's a Ramon. Anyways, uh, you've missed the whole point, Dan. <laughs> Not new. Uh, he's a leader on this team, and he sets the precedent by his actions. Can you imagine Bieksa turning the puck over and Burroughs – uh, turning the puck over and not skating back like that. I don't think so. That's from uh, Razor Ramon. Yeah, I mean, so, some of that stuff, obviously, we've seen players before make a mistake and then put their head down and maybe not skate as hard before. When you're under the microscope and you're not playing all that well, you got to do yourself favors. Yeah. And I find oftentimes this season, JT is not doing himself any favors. JT, 
I'll, I'll give him credit for this. He's always been this guy, though. Well, he has. He, he, he never changes. Yeah. Th- that's for sure. But at the same time, he's, what, going to be 30 years old, if not 30 already. We're talking about a, a guy who talks about maturing and having to channel this better himself. He says, sometimes I'm going to go the other way. But part of maturing and, and you becoming a better and more effective player and a leader is how you channel what makes you great and also what's the double edge of that sword, which is his frustrations can boil over. But you got to be able to channel that effectively. And more than anything, it comes down to how much success you're having. People will put up with it if you're having success. Yeah. If you're not having success, the level of patience isn't going to be there. Now, not only is a team success not there, the overall on-ice success isn't at the level that it should be. It's not that 30 points in 36 games is horrible. On, on pace, we're almost 70 points. I mean, you know, for 5.25 million on the cap, that's yeah. fine. For $8 million, you want more, and that's ultimately the concern long-term about his game coming back. That's what you want to see from him. But his play hasn't been strong enough overall for that double edge of that sword, which is his frustrations boiling over, being handled or at least being accepted. So his comments yesterday, and uh, we, we're getting some texts uh, about them on how uh, people aren't uh, really on board with what JT said in that he's been better defensively, especially at center recently. Um, this text, JT literally said he's been, he's playing well defensively. I'm not sure if he was trying to gaslight the media and fans or himself. If he's in denial, that worries me more. How off base, if at all, was JT's comments about his own defensive play? Okay, so if you look at the expected numbers mm-hmm. for JT Miller at 5-on-5, five five, only two forwards this month have been worse in terms of expected goals against. Niels Ullman and Dakota Joshua. Niels Ullman is now... The fourth liners. Yeah, and Niels Ullman is now with the Abbas Rikunas. Yes. He got sent down. But if you look at the 5-on-5 five five numbers mm-hmm. at goals against, mm-hmm. like actual results, yeah. only two forwards have been on the ice for fewer goals against. And I'm looking at guys have, that have played 100 minutes or more. So we're, we're not talking about, you know... The regulars. The regulars. Not somebody who played two or three games or yeah, whatever. Yeah. We're talking about guys that have, you know, actually been playing. Only two forwards have been on the ice for for fewer goals against that five-on-five. Five, and they are Andre Kuzmenko and Elias Patterson. So if you look at it from a results standpoint, five-on-five five in the month of December, he's not wrong. He's been on the ice for fewer goals scored then Bo, Besser, Mikheyev, all those guys. Like the only two forwards that are regulars that are impact forwards, Pedersen and, and Kuzmenko. So he's not wrong results-wise, but expected-wise, which show the results and the chances against. But then if you want to look at how much have his matchups been tougher in the month of December. So for the entire season, Bo Horvat's been getting the tougher matchups. Yeah. Right? Slightly more defensive zone starts, slightly tougher matchups. The month of December, that's shifted to JT Miller. So JT's facing the tougher matchups. He's had the same amount of defensive zone starts mm-hmm. as Bo's had. He's had the same amount of offensive zone starts that Bo's had. So basically, he's been used as a pure defense, or he's been used the same way Bo is. And he's actually had more defensive zone face-off starts or face-offs than anybody else on the team. So he's been used as a shutdown center while Bruce tries to get Pedersen and Horvat the more offensive minutes. So Bo and JT played together a lot. So a yeah. lot of that was Bo together with him. So it's not like Bo has been taken away from that. But that shift, when when JT's playing center, he's getting the matchups more than Bo has. So to JT's point about the recent month and the recent few games, he's been getting tougher matchups. 
the expected analytics have not been good, but the actual results in terms of goals against that five on five, especially when he's played the tougher matchups, they've been good. Like yeah. as in the results have been there, but the process to our eyes hasn't been good because the chances have been overwhelmingly in the other team's favor. But more than anything, Dan, here's where JT Miller comes short. You're not scoring. You're not producing five on five. He's been on the ice for four goals scored at even strength in the month of December. That's not good enough. And that's the biggest thing, you know, yep. like Bo, we can sit here and say, yeah, he's been on the ice for 12 goals against at even strength in the month of December. Yeah. Which is, you know, more than JT, but he's also been on the ice for 14 goals scored. So he's still above water while JT is below. Yeah. So JT is right. He's been better defensively results wise, just not producing enough. And he himself said it's a reflection of it. But at the end of the day, you have to provide more good than bad. And even though he's been better defensively from a results standpoint, He's still not generating enough offense to be a net positive player consistently. The JT I want to see more of is the one we saw against the Edmonton Oilers. That night, we raved about his play. He had the two goals, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also a night where he took most of the minutes against Connor McDavid. I think Bo still had a healthy amount of minutes against Connor and did have a goal against Mm -hmm. while matching up against McDavid. While JT played over six minutes against McDavid's line and held him off the score sheet and was close to 50-50 in most of the underlying metrics. A little bit below, but close. Not sort of where his expected numbers and Corsi numbers have been for the year. That was the one game, and it is the one game, that I'm kind of putting on a pedestal right now for JT. Be like, be that JT. Yeah, That's the JT I need. That's the JT the Canucks need. But we haven't seen that enough. Do so, that more consistently. There is a fair amount of truth in, in what he said yesterday. But it also... Look, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't include the fact that you just got a $56 million contract and no defensive center in the league gets paid $56 bucks. No. No strictly defensive center in the league gets paid $56 million. You got paid to be a 99-point player. So I still want, even if he gives back some of the defense that he's found a little bit of in this month, I still want to see more of last year's JT. Don't be something you're not. We paid you to be this guy. Be that guy. That's what I would feel if I'm Jim Rutherford or Patrick Alvine right now. Yeah, and one thing I will say about those guys, I don't think at all, like there's a big sentiment that, you know, the organization maybe regrets this decision. I don't think that's the case at all. Mm Mm-hmm. From everything I gather, organizationally, no. Now, if this continues for another year or so, whatever it is, because people are reacting to Rutherford's comments, and it's like, hey, Rutherford is, you know, why is he saying it's going to take a year to figure out and he's going to figure this stuff out? They committed to JT because they believe in JT. Yeah. You stick up for people you believe in. Mm-hmm. Why are you surprised that Rutherford, after signing him to a $56 million yeah. contract, is sticking up for JT Miller? They believe in JT Miller. That's why they signed JT Miller. And their opinion on JT Miller has not yet changed long term. Now, could that change in a couple of years, perhaps, if he yeah. doesn't get better? But as we sit here and speak today, the organization fully believes in JT. And why you heard Rutherford stick up for him is because he believes in him. And they just gave him a $56 million contract. I don't know exactly what people expect Jim Rutherford to say. Like, do you want him to just sewer JT Miller? (laughs) You just signed this guy to a $56 million contract. You're going to call him out in the media. Um, 
that also, like, even if you're of the camp that there is some slight chance the Canucks would be open to moving Miller before his no trade clause or no move clause kicks in, why would Rutherford say anything bad about the player if that's still an option that they could look at? Like, it just doesn't make any sense for Rutherford to say a lot negative about JT in this moment. So I feel like people are playing both ends mm-hmm. of the string when they, they say they, they would have liked to see Rutherford say something a little bit harsher about JT. And at the same time, you know, if we look back at the Benning days, if he ever said anything negative about a player, um, it would be like, oh, now he's just sewered his trade value. How could you How could you do that? What kind of a GM does this? Like, stop it. You know, you can't play both sides of the string in that way. I, like this, this thing with JT, it, it's strictly about the player. People, people don't really like him. And they think, as the reputation is now building from what we're hearing in the media, Frank Saravalli, our Monday insider, giving uh, the, the quote yesterday that um, JT is seen as a little bit of a prick in the Canucks locker room. Um, I'm paraphrasing Frank's exact words, but that's essentially what was said. And I feel like there is a lot of that sort of sentiment going around right now about JT with the body language, how he is with the media, and if uh, there is friction with him and his teammates. So, I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that there may not be players on the team that feel that way, potentially, right? I mean, I'm not disputing the reporting. What I do know, however, is that there is a core group of leaders on the team, and they're all kind of tight. Yeah. Believe it or not, it includes both JT and Bo Horvat. It includes Tanner Pearson. It includes Tyler Myers. It includes Luke Shen. It includes guys like Quinn Hughes, Garland, right? These yeah. guys are all tight. And yep. that's like the leadership group. Like those guys I just mentioned, they're all buddies. So I don't think any of those guys who are the leaders of the team feel like JT's a prick. Yeah. Now, may they be annoyed by him? Potentially. I mean, are there other players in the team? Potentially, sure. But as far as like the toxicity in that room, it goes back to something else that we talked about. It's not that these guys hate each other. It's not like the place is toxic. If anything, everybody's just too fine with how things are going. Goes back to that Ethan Bear comment. Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, considering where we're at, we're, we're probably not playing as, you know, we're probably feeling too satisfied with things. And that's kind of the bigger, I think, issue here. I don't, I don't, there's a sense that JT and his antics and people are tired of it. And yeah, maybe there are players on the team we don't know. We can't sit here and speak for it. But I think the bigger issue, and I've been going, I've been saying this going back months. What's the internal accountability like in that locker room? Yeah. You know, who's checking who? And I, I talked about that last year. I talked about that through training camp. We talked about it, about the best players on this team. Who's holding the best players accountable? Who carries enough weight to truly hold somebody accountable on this team? That's the bigger, bigger question. Yeah. And the internal accountability is something that I think continues to be a question mark more than anything else. Yeah. And I know, and people said, didn't mention PD in the leadership group. I mean, listen, um, I know people think certain things about PD and whether he's friends with guys or not. I can't sit here and tell you who's friends with who or whatever it is, but the only thing I will say is that this sense that the team hates each other in the locker room or like it's it's this real toxic vibe, I don't think that's what's going on. It's uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. We'll get uh, Irfan Gaffar's take on all of this and more as Canuck Central continues on Sportsnet 650.